Welcome to episode 60 of That's What I'm Saying, the podcast about hip-hop, entertainment, dating, sex, relationships, and social issues from a sometimes ratchet but mostly woke perspective. So subscribe to That's What I'm Saying, the podcast. We're in iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Stitcher, CastPod, TuneIn, Spotify, and beginning in November, family, we will be airing on Island TV. So more details about that coming soon. Get ready, get ready, get ready. So I'm Sean. I'm Nye. What's up, y'all? Hey, Nye. So what are we calling this episode? Stick to nine, your Sunday service. Okay, all right. So before we get into the Ratchet Minute, we do just want to catch up with y'all. This is the first episode of our season two. We are back after the City Girl Summer. Now, uh, bad bitch fall. Let uh, Mary J. Blige tell it. So um, what have you been up to now? I know so for me, I've just been working and traveling for the summer and um, into the fall and excited about our new endeavor. So what about you? Um, you know, the summertime, you know, New York in the summer is like my favorite time. I like, you got to do summers in New York. So I've been doing a little bit of traveling, but really I just been doing New York in the summer concerts and festivals and food and fun and fucking and all that good stuff. Oh, hey, hey, living vicariously through you. <laughs> okay. All right. So y'all getting right into this ratchet minute. I gotta send. I gotta talk about Takashi Six Nine, not because I'm a fan, but just because this whole proliferation of what has happened on um, social media with this dude. So, for those of you that don't know, Takashi Six Nine is the stitch, uh, the snitch who stole Cross Colors. Or the, remember the United Colors of Benetton? He reminds Love me you. of that. <laughs> so he is the Brooklyn rapper uh, known as Daniel Hernandez, 23 years old. I didn't know he was that young actually um with the long colorful my little pony hair uh, and all the face tattoos all over and on his body so he testified in a manhattan federal court uh he was actually arrested on federal racketeering and weapons charges stemming from his involvement with the nine tray gangster bloods and the story on this is that he just ratted on everybody all his friends, his famous, famous people. I mean, he talked about Jim Jones and Cardi B being a part of the Bloods, all his associates, um, everybody in his, his, uh, his attempt to reduce his sentence. But the whole thing became a media circus. Did you see this now? I know you. Yeah, I was watching from the sidelines. It was a mess. <laughs> Same here. So, you know, they went through in court his two videos that he did. I know one for Gummo or something. And where he pointed out all the gang members, including his own manager, who are like involved in these kidnappings and assaults. So, it, you know, his lyrics were actually used to prosecute him. So, I mean, you know, I'm not, like I said, I'm not a fan of this dude. He sounded like Sticky Fingers to me. For those that remember, um, what was the name of the group that Sticky Fingers was in? Onyx. Onyx. Yeah, he sounded he sounded a little bit like Onyx. I do I, I like Sticky Fingers from Onyx. I did like the collaboration that he did with Nicki Minaj. The um, I forgot. I used to play it a lot. I don't really want no friends. Basically, you already told us he don't want no friends. So, <laughs> he don't have any more friends left. <laughs> he wants want <laughs> But when I tell you, the best part about this was the internet was undefeated when it came to the memes on this dude. Did you? See? <laughs> I saw one when they um uh, it was you know, um where's where's Waldo map 
Wait, the best one I saw was when he was at the table uh, with, with Jesus at the Last Supper, and it was and Jesus was like somebody going, but you me, and he was at the table. <laughs> somebody put his ass at the end of the table. Oh God! Mm, mm, I mean, mm. that to me was the best part of this was the memes that came out of it. So. I mean, you know, you you snitch, you going you gonna do your time. I don't. He already said he don't want no friends, and um, he just told on everybody, everybody, everybody. That's crazy. And the thing is, if you're gonna be in that kind of lifestyle, you gotta be, you gotta man up and carry your time. You, he snitched on everybody. I don't know how he's gonna make out after this. No. <laughs> I mean, and the yeah, thing is, he's still going to have to serve time. He's still yeah. going to be prosecuted. He has mm-hmm. no more allies. You have no more friends. He already said, I don't really want no friends. You ain't got no friends. No, <laughs> you ain't got no. nobody. Even Jim Jones. I was like, how you, how you talking about <laughs> what Jim Jones got to do with this? <laughs> <laughs> what he do? What Cardi B do? But, I, but you see, Cardi B clapped back and was like, yeah, she was a blood or she is a blood. Something like that. Did okay. you hear that? I don't know. It's uh, this ugh. This well, Takashi, you gotta. He did the crime. You gotta do the time. That's how it goes. I don't know if they allow that colorful My Little Pony hair in the, in the federal prison. So oh, they allow it all right. Somebody like to ride them ponies. <laughs> Wait, wait. I was like, you know, another gem is like, I really didn't think Mexicans was in Brooklyn. Did you know that? Everywhere. Huh? Everywhere. No, but in Brooklyn, New York. I'm sorry. Yes. I don't okay. Yes, they're every I was surprised when I when I moved, you know, in the Bronx is a lot of, you know, Dominicans and Puerto Ricans, but it's a lot of Mexicans everywhere. I'm like, y'all just bypassed Texas. It came wow. Home. Wow, well that's that's news to me because I don't remember. See, I was like, I thought he was Puerto Rican. Like, no, he's Mexican. Like, oh, okay. I didn't know y'all all up and through here. All up and through. Okay. Well, I like I like um tacos. Let me stop. We love our Mexican. We love we love them. So I don't know your boy though. They, your your boy uh David Hernandez uh it, um Daniel Hernandez is he is not rapping for the essays that well. Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. All right, all right. So moving on, I gotta talk about you know the 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 one that we don't like to name. Anyway, fresh off his slavery was a choice tour, Kanye West defending um his favorite obsession, which is not his wife, but President Trump. So Kanye West has once again shown his support for President. Look number 45, during his Sunday service event on Saturday in Utah, 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 <laughs> basically arguing that it is, quote unquote, mental slavery to make political decisions based on race. So supposedly during this Sunday service thing, Kanye got very political and he starts telling the crowd that basically the Republican part, or allegedly the Republican Party led by former President Abraham Lincoln was the one who freed enslaved Africans. Um, he says, that, you know, his choice of politics is, quote, unquote, my right. We And we got the right, right? We got a right to our own opinions. Yes, Kanye. Yes, you do. Um, 
And then he went on to say that making a decision based on one's race is a form of slavery. So he says, you know, he's a he's a he's a fan of the dragon energy or whatever dragon breath, whatever he said. Um, what do you think about this? Kanye is the king of gotcha bitch because yeah. <laughs> after he came, you know, he came back with his Sunday sermon, and I swear, all on the socials, people were saying, "I know Kanye said this, but I, I'm, I'm messing with him." They, they love the Sunday service. They love all his music. You know, if he drops an album, a gospel album, I gotta buy it. I gotta buy it. And look, gotcha, bitch. Look what he just said. <laughs> he didn't really win. This is all for record sales. I mean, and to truth be told, I have this is what I've said about this Sunday service. I've never been. I've only heard about it. Um, from what I understand, it is invite only. Uh, attendees have to sign a um, NDA agreement and. The only time it was open to the public was at Coachella, and they were selling tickets for it for almost five hundred dollars. So I'm look. I've I've said this before. I said it's something really funny about what they got going on out there in the desert in this this Sunday service thing. You know, uh, a place of worship, basically to worship Kanye. That's that's how that's I look at it. It is. It, that's really what it is. And you know, I am not fooled by Kanye and his shenanigans. Thank you. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> Thank I am not fooled because I just saw an interview he did. I don't know if it was a recent interview or not, but it was him and Kim and whoever was interviewing him. And he's talking. I'm like, where did this new voice come from? Oh, he has a new voice? He <laughs> I has... don't remember he sounding this way. Kanye is just... Well, like, what? what does it sound like? I'm so curious. It's, he sounds very proper. Oh. Oh. He's in all of his syllables. <laughs> <laughs> Not the not the nigga that didn't go to Hill, man. Right. Not that one. Okay, he from Chicago at all? From the South Side? Mm. Mm. Wow. I am. You know what? I've. You know when when Kanye was super huge back in the day, I was never really a huge Kanye fan, but I do appreciate his music. But I am not fooled by any of his shenanigans. Well, I told you that one time. I I I've seen him perform twice. The first time I saw him. He was obviously taking his medication, doing what he needed to do, getting his water and getting enough sleep. It was a great show. That was a little, I, I can't think of it. It was after the college dropout. Um, maybe Life of Pablo, maybe before that. I can't remember. But it was actually a really good show. The second time I saw him, I felt like I had stumbled into a satanic worship ceremony that I wasn't supposed to be at, to be honest mm -hmm. with you. A um, lot of symbolism. He had on a blood red suit. Um, he had on a bejeweled uh, black mask over his face for most of the time. And it was Kanye when he was, you know, Kanye has obviously, like he said, he has some issues with his weight. So he was um, got his, had his Homer Simpson on, you know, with the whole big belly and everything. And he spent like 40 minutes of the of the show. He must have been mad at a reporter or some journalist or somebody, but he spent a at least a good 40 minutes just espousing so much hatred. And and this was it was a show in D.C. It was scary to watch. Honestly, um, I felt like they was going to pass around goblets of blood or something. It was it was like that. So, you know, and this then he came out and said, you know, he talked about his mental illness or. Um, 
his mental gift, whatever, whatever, however he wants to call it. And the fact that he wasn't taking his meds, but it was scary to watch. It was really scary. And the man had, he had filled the um, Verizon center in, in DC. So, I, you know, I've been a fan of Kanye, the old Kanye, um, this new Kanye, this, this, uh, this clone or whatever is walking around. Um, I, like you said, I'm not fooled. And I don't know what the convoluted message is other than about himself. You know, Kanye is um, the poster boy for uh, narcissistic personality disorder to me. So um, because aren't these concerts? I haven't really listened to the music, but aren't these um, he just kind of remade his own songs into gospel songs, right? I've heard that and I've heard some of them. Yeah. So it's it's his music and then it's kind of mixed in with um, some gospely stuff. And I'm not a fan of gospel anyway, so it's it. I'm always I'm always listening with a side eye when I hear it because, you know, look, he's just a man like like most, mm-hmm. but it's not. I don't know what the, if this message is genuine, I, you know, coming from the place that he's coming from, and then the whole social media machine that surrounds it. You know, I mean, a, a place of worship should be a place of worship. Anybody should be able to come. It's this is more like an A-list celebrity, you know, event. With NDAs, so you can't even talk about what the message is. I don't, and you know the way that the videos get out is through Kim. She's the one who's posting, you know, a lot of the videos. So she's she's been the social media person for the for the shows. Mm-hmm. That's how you find out what's going on. So I, you know, I just I don't know. She did not sign up for that. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't know. No, thank you. No, thank you. Um, to see his little what's his daughter's name? Um, the oldest one. Um. Uh, North. Yeah, North. To see her dancing and stuff, she's so cute. Yeah, she's a, she's a cutie out there. She, her she <laughs> is a cutie, but um, uh, uh, that daddy of hers. Yeah, poor thing. Oh, thing. I don't. I don't know. I mm, okay. Ah, uh, moving on. Yeah. Where we at? So we are the woke minute. Okay. What are, what's what's this the kitten hill section of the show segment of the show where we talk about some real some real shit so what are we talking about right now so i just kind of want to touch on you know you you posted a video earlier this week about the uh the amber geiger uh trial and her yes. sentencing and all that they did all the hugging that went on in this uh courtroom which is so disgusting to watch this um, at one point I saw a video, uh, in the video, I saw the, like the bailiff was rubbing her, rusting her hair. Um, the judge gave her a hug, you know, after, I guess after the sentencing and then, you know, um, Botham Jean's father and brother wanting to be her friend and giving her a hug, you know, all that was, is, is so disgusting. You, you know, you talked about it on the video. Um, but it was it was so disgusting to watch. You know, she only got ten years out of this. You know, um, I don't know. It's it's just, I you know I feel like you know when when she got sentenced, she got found guilty. Everyone was like, yay! But but at the same time, we like let's wait to see how much time she actually gets. And mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that after I don't know how that whole process works, but I'm maybe time spent, good behavior. She's probably not going to get you know, spend 10 years in jail over this, which is disgusting. And you know, what, what makes me even more sad about this is that, you know, on the prosecution side, people put their lives, um, at risk 
for this trial to get justice for him. Uh, Joshua Brown, who was his neighbor, um, who actually, um, he, he was there when, when he got killed. He didn't know him personally. I guess, you know, they were just neighbors or whatever, but um, he testified um, about the night of the murder and from, you know, what he witnessed. And a couple days mm -hmm. after the sentencing, you know, he was shot dead. Um, yeah. There's some reports that saying he got shot in like in the, you know, in the, uh, where, like in the back. Um, but then I also saw a report that said he got shot in the mouth and the chest. Um, so, you know, his killer is out there. There's no, no suspect, no description released. So we don't know what happened. You know, this man put his life on the line to get justice for his neighbor who he didn't even know, you know, and then, you know, is it, is anyone giving his family a hug? You know, this is it's, it's, it's so heartbreaking because, you know, I think what kind of disgusts me about it is that most in our community, um, it's like we, you know, this whole guise of forgiving, you know, forgiving this lady, I almost think it's, it's a way of like not taking responsibility or action or really trying to get justice for what was done. Like if you if you say I forgive you, then it kind of releases that person from um, fr from fault, if, if you understand right. what I'm saying, Absolutely. you know, um, and it's just, you know, when these things happen in the news, I really just kind of really pull myself back because just like, um, James Baldwin said to be, to live in this country and have any kind of wokeness is you will live in a constant state of rage because something is always happening. And it's like, when you look at if you look on TV, we look like, you know, we're the majority. We we dominate so much of this culture, but in actuality, our numbers, we're only like, what, 10%, less than 15% of this country's population. So we're very, very small. And it's like, it's like they, they this country uses us as like a dirty rag doll. They just rip us all over this country and they just do whatever they want to do, with us, do to us. And it's like, we have really no recourse. We march, we scream, we pray, we cry, but in the end, we end up in the same space. No justice. Mm -hmm. So, um, I don't know. What, what do you think? I just, I just feel, I don't want to say I feel hopeless, um, uh, because I don't, you know, I, at the end of this tunnel, whenever this tunnel, whenever we can get to the end of it, hopefully there's going to be a light there, but it just seems like we just keep getting smacked around. You know, and it's no, the justice system is not out for us. Um, where can we actually, you know, who has our back? I, I totally, I mean, I, I'm there with you. And this, this was a, an, like, a, like, uh, you know, I put a snippet of a video just kind of, you know, voicing my thoughts over the Botham John case. It's on our um, Instagram. That's at TwizPod. Um, but, you know, to go back to, the murder of jo the murder or execution of Joshua Brown, who was a voluntary witness, you know, and I remember watching his testimony before this all, you know, um, uh, which ended in ultimately ended in his death. And he talked about hearing Botham John singing um, gospel songs in his apartment and he would hear it, you know, during the day. Um, and then, you know, being such a brave person to go in, you know, and I, I to go to court and testify, um, in this woman's murder trial and to do that. And then ultimately lose, lose his life in connection with it. And I don't care what anybody says, but it's obviously, um, connected with, 
um, his testimony that he gave, which convicted her, uh, Amber Geiger, of 10, 10 years. And, you know, it, it it's, I can't even voice the anger I felt when I saw that hug in the courtroom. Um, because it just underlines to me the, the things that we have been conditioned as a people, which is we are, we are taught and also forced into being forgiving and, and be forgiven, act with forgiveness, and also to forget because we don't utilize, which is, you know, we, we are not taught to express our feelings of anger you know, mm-hmm. of rage, which are real feelings. And like I've said, you know, we have a history of this this kind of uh, sitting back and, you know, waiting for our, our treasures to be built up in heaven and not dealing with what is right here before us. And it just allows white people, and I'm saying it, to act with more impunity because in the, at the end of the day, whatever, whatever racist feeling, whatever... Um, whatever hate they show towards us, whatever aggression, whatever mistakes, whatever they do, they're going to be met with forgiveness from us. They are not going to be met with the level of accountability that maybe some anger and rage and violence would bring. And, you know, it's, I'm sorry I have to say it that way, but it's the truth. You can look at our history. Like, what has all this forgiveness given us? What has it shown? What has it really, uh, how, what have we really gotten from it? By being these people who act with, and I'm, you know, and I'm not saying being forgiven is, you know, you, you, you know, I, I hear from people, you want to be forgiven because it's not for them, it's for you. And you don't want to live with rage and you don't want to live with this, this sort of, uh, with this hatred in your heart. But I mean, to be honest, it is that level of, of aggression that if we shown it, I believe it would it would it would lead to more action and lead to a higher level of accountability because all you're allowing is is for these people to just continue. You know, we in this forgive them because they know not what they do. So you know what? They're gonna keep doing it and we're we gonna keep forgiving them. Yeah, they know exactly what they what they're doing. You know, I, I read an article where um some of the jurors said that, you know, um that um that Geiger, you know, she cried a lot. Doing the tr- doing the trial and doing her testimony and or, you know doing the course of the trial and like you said we are conditioned um, to be very sympathetic to their feelings and their needs. You know how many times a white woman has cried has equated to a black man dying? Absolutely, all through and, our history. We can point it out. We can we can write a book. And this is it's happened just now. Just happened. You mm-hmm. know this woman cried and you know. She is a murderer. She went into this man's house and she killed him point blank, period. While he was eating ice cream in his own home. In his own home. In his own home. And because she cried on the stand and she's white, she gets 10 years or less. I don't, I don't believe she's going to get, she's going to actually serve 10 years. I just don't believe it. And she definitely won't. She definitely won't. Um, You know, I was uh, looking at, did you see they were saying, I'm not even laughing, it's so sickening, but she was very opinionated on her social media, very racist on her social media, and she was erasing the evidence of it um, during the investigation. Did you hear that? Yeah, I, I did hear about that. And yeah. so I saw some of the snapshots. I mean, obviously, it's a, it's a white woman who um, 
has her beliefs about her white superiority. I mean, it just comes across in her in her social media. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, we, you know who we're dealing with. And I, you know, all that crying. One thing I learned, you know, in, in going into courts is when you see tears on the on a witness stand, it's not always what it seems. In other words, you don't you don't instantly it doesn't always it's not always supposed to elicit some sort of sympathy because a lot of times the person that is crying has learned to manipulate the court with tears. Mm-hmm. That's how that's how I've been taught and that's what I've seen. So it's not always, you know, this rush of emotion that um that 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 person is showing. You know, she's a police officer. She she's trained in doing that. And a lot and what they show you is you can't even in her line of work, you can't show that level of emotion. Be, mm-hmm. So she's, you know, those tears to me was it meant it meant nothing other than she's trying to manipulate the court. I think the judge should be held accountable for her misconduct in hugging this woman in front of the jury, in front of spectators and giving her a Bible. And in front of this man's parents and family, did you give this man's family a hug? Where, where was her, you know, where was her empathy for them? Where was her support of them? Where was her love for the, the, of the family of the man who got killed? She's hugging his killer. Wow. I've never, and I've never seen that, but you know, it was a lot of mammying, as they say, going on in the courtroom, you know, like you said, from the bailiff that was fixing, uh, the killer's hair and, you know, even Botham John's 18 year old brother, you know, giving her a hug and, you know, saying that he loved her. And I'm just, I, you know, it just, it's, it's sick to me because these are the types of things that keeps us enslaved mm-hmm. it yeah. does it's like new new age slavery these are the types of things and you show it for all the world to see that this is what we do and it to me it doesn't make you the bigger person you know and I've heard that argument you know forgiveness is the ultimate you know it shows it's a testament to who we are as a people and you know I would buy that if it affected some change on the part of the oppressors, on the part of the people who are oppressing us and perpetrating these acts against us. If it changed them. I think, I think forgiveness is, is, is due to people who, who make honest mistakes. Right. I think, I think those are the people who should be given forgiveness. It should extend it. Forgiveness should be extended to them. But for people who do things like this, and for those racist people who, um, you know, who kill and maim us on purpose, I'm not forgiving them. Forgive them for what? They know exactly what they're doing. Yeah, I I agree with you. Totally, totally agree with you. And that's and like I said, uh, forgiveness should come with contingencies. It should not be given out like Halloween candy. And that's what I said on um, our Instagram. And I meant it. You know, we give it out like it's it just it cheapens it and it lessens, you know, what it really is meant. It should be with contingencies. I want to see some real change. I If I forgive, what does that mean to the perpetrator? What does that mean to the to the person that's oppressing or a system that's oppressing us? What is the real change that's going to be implemented by forgiveness? And if, if I can't see that, if that's not something that's tangible, then there should be no forgiveness. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I'm like, we could be Nat Turnup in this bitch because that was, I mean, 
you want to see some change, sometimes that's what that's what you got to see. They don't understand it any other way. Sometimes you have to speak in the language of our oppressors. This woman went into a man's private home and used a gun. So my question is, did she even ask for forgiveness? Or no. we just give it to her? No, I don't, I don't recall that being even a part of the whole thing. Did she ever, you know, you know did she you know, ever want to be forgiven? Right. She doesn't want our forgiveness. She didn't ask for it. So why are we giving it to her? I don't know. And this is, girl, I, I've I've already, I, I've said it. And, you know, I, I feel like a lot of us are still sleeping when it comes to this. That is, that's why we are still where we, where we are at, you know? So we need to wake up. This is, this, we need to wake up. Um, you know, and it's not about being consumed by bitterness. You know, you don't want to, you want to forgive. So you're not consumed by bitterness. I, I get all of that. But keep on forgiving these people and see how they change and if right. they change because they mm -hmm. haven't. And history mm -hmm. has shown us that. I'm not just talking off the top of my head, but we can see it. Our history has shown us what forgiveness has has bought us. Here we are today still talking about the same shit, different time that has happened. How many hundreds of years ago? Here we are. So right back. Yeah. All right. I got to I got to move on. What about you? I'm I'm definitely ready to move on from this. Okay. Whew. All right. So you know how we don't have any segue into <laughs> the weekend D. Boy, we can go hot and heavy, and then here we are. Here we are to when I used to be scared of the dick. <laughs> now no lips to the shit. Handle it like a real bitch. All right, y'all. So whew. all right. Let me take a woosa. So this is um Here's a little something that we uh, we're, we have entertained. Um, so I'm just going to get right into it. You ready? I'm ready. <laughs> all right. All right. So the title of this is, it says, this nigga only want to Netflix and chill. Should I continue to date him? So I've been dating a guy for a few months now. We've been in the movies and the brunch. P.S. I paid for the movies. He has come over my house a few times. The dick game was good and he's fine as fuck. He's an ex-ball player, quite a few kids, but he has a few financial problems that he has voiced to me on the regular. So we were planning a real dinner date for the last couple of weeks now. He asked me where I wanted to go. When I said a certain restaurant, he complained that it was too far of a drive. It was, I meaning it was 30 minutes from both of us. He reminded me how much he loved cooked food as if to suggest I should cook for him again. I'm so not feeling this. What should I do? <laughs> you came to us? Well, the first thing you should do is delete his fucking number. Thank you. <laughs> you know, me and Sean have talked about this for a while, uh, a couple times. And she's always like, you're so mean. I don't cook for dudes. And we're not like... Like together, I don't cook for you because that's a that's that's a um that's a part to being in a relationship. If we're not in a relationship, an exclusive relationship, you can go to McDonald's, you can go to Wendy's, you can get that next bitch to come cook for you. But I'm not doing it. You are not getting my good ass Alfredo sauce from scratch. <laughs> you can have lunch, breakfast, and dinner for the next few days, and you got some next coming in cooking for you and then you know another thing from this is that um 
you know, when you're in this dating dating stage, I'm not sure. It seems like they just started dating. Um, they've only dated a few times. I think certain things should just not be talked about. Like, I don't want to hear about your money problems at all. I don't want to yeah. hear. If you're having money problems, then you can't afford to, to, be, to take to be dating. And you need I to handle agree. And uh, I don't want to hear about it. Absolutely. That's a turn mm-hmm. off. That is, that is an easy way to get the coochie dry. Everything <laughs> 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 really would dry right on up. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. Um, agreed. I'm just, you know, I, I'm still old school in the way of, you know, I was raised a lot by my grandmother and she called it cordon or cotton cordon. But, you know, I still have some of that mindset where I'm like the guy, not like the guy should pay for everything, but you know, a little more chivalry, a little more, you know, like, the woman, this this fifty fifty thing, I, you know, this is like for some new and improved people. Cause I'm just like, where is the, where is the man takes the lead? Like you and I have talked about this. Cause what I hate is to have to think of what we're doing on a date. Like where do you want to go? When I'm planning, I hate doing that shit. Just tell me where we're gonna go and where I need to be, or if you're coming to pick me up. I don't want to plan out the whole itinerary. I hate doing that. So already I'm seeing like there's a there's a strike right here. Like I guess, you know, he asked her and then he complained about what the distance was. And that's another thing. Like if he ain't willing to drive 30 minutes to you or t- to take you out to eat, but he's willing to come to your house and Netflix and chill. Red flag. Stop. <laughs> I like cooking for you. Yeah, I like my food to be cooked for me. I like cook food. Get the fuck out of here, please. <laughs> now I will cook. Like I know you don't. That's not your thing. Like I will cook if I feel the if I if I feel like it. I will. But that's not a date. If I'm cooking in my house, you not coming over here. That's not a date. You you basically you owe me. So we not we not doing that. Um, I just I don't. Oh, sorry. I got this whole thing. This little timer on. Um, yeah, girl, I don't know if you should continue to date him. I mean, what do you, what, what's your dating goal? If you dating him to, you know, maybe create, build a relationship, this might not be the person you want to build a relationship with. He got financial issues. So, and you and I have talked about this, not everybody, if you, I don't want to hear about your financial issues, especially the beginning of, you know, the dating thing, but everybody is not dating material. And I think this goes for guys maybe more than, than females. What you think? Like if you don't have the finances to date or date within your financial bracket, how about that? Yeah. I, I, I always say that if you can't afford to date then don't date at all, don't give me no, no budget date. Now that, you know, like there's some occasions that might call for that. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not like we ain't got to do five star all the time, but it need to be in the range, at least for me. I, you know, I'm not a McDonald's or Chick-fil-A chick. I'm just not, you know, I'm sure they out there and I'm sure they're lovely, but I'm not. So I can tell you right now, but I, you know, I'll be the cool chick. Like I might like to go to the park, you know, some free shit. But I, you know, you just got to know what your bracket is. Right. This might not be your bracket. And it's, and it's like, there's, when you, but 
when you're when you're dating somebody, like you said, there are different levels to to what you're doing. Like we can go out, we can go out to eat and nice restaurant, whatever. But we can always we can also go to the movies and sneak our food in too. You there know what I'm saying? But we're not gonna always go to the budget movies and sneak our food in. That's not gonna happen all the time. <laughs> I've had some wonderful days though, just just by the way, of man sneaking in full course meals and bottles of wine in the movie theater. Yeah. I'm just, but you, but you understand what I'm saying. I, but I know, but we ain't doing this all the time now. No, <laughs> I'm not coming and cooking for you every day, every week. Well, you go no. on the two dollar Tuesday at the movie theater all the time. There's wow. <laughs> got to be some variety here. <laughs> got but, but yeah. So okay. So in in conclusion, um, I, I I'm I'm down for the drop. Drop this nigga. What you think? Absolutely, absolutely fucking Lucy. Yep. Yeah, he 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 come with too many issues too early in the game, mm-hmm. and driving, nigga. If I say we meeting on the other side of the state, or and you know what, I'm sorry. You better if you want it, you better do it. That's all. Yeah. Is that wrong? No, girl. I don't think so. Move on. Yeah. All right, girl. Come on <laughs> now. <laughs> Can't do Netflix and chill all the time. No. Nope. <laughs> Y'all break that shit up. <laughs> like, is he paying it? You know, Netflix is like what, fifteen dollars now a month? I probably have seen everything on Netflix anyway, so you really just come up and chill. Come over and have a reading date. We're just gonna read. <laughs> no thanks. Netflix, like, are you still watching? Bitch, no, my ass in the air. No. <laughs> I think I posted something like that on, on our Instagram. Like, Netflix need to mind their damn business. I wish they I, I, I have too many questions. <laughs> <sighs> all right, all right. Hopefully, we gave sis some good advice. All right, moving on. Where oh, are hi. we? All right, so we're at the, I reminisce, I reminisce. I reminisce, I reminisce. Favorite parts of our little journey we do. So this week, I took it all the way back to 1997 when Buster Rounds did his heyday. Put your hands where my eyes can see. And of course, I always have to say, this is my shit. (laughs) (laughs) We know. (laughs) Man, when he came on this I swear, when I used to go to parties, it came out in 97. So that was like like a junior in college, like going to my junior year in college. Mm-hmm. I promise you, they played this song at every party at least three times Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. Oh, my goodness. Agreed. Did you go to that party? I swear. We, I swear you were there. It was new around New Year's, New York City at the Roxy. And it was at a time Vin Diesel used to bounce at the club, bounce at the, he was a bouncer at the door. And they play, and Funkmaster Flex was DJing and they dropped bombs and they must have played this song, Put Your Hands Where My Eyes Can See, at least 10 times. <laughs> I think I came. I think I, I think was there. It was like cold and we, and we had little skippy dresses on and it was cold as shit. Girl, I remember our little friend, her, she pulled her dress out of her purse. I was like, what? <laughs> I remember that. It's like two degrees outside. 
that was hilarious. That was that was a funny weekend. That was a that very was funny boy. I froze my ass off, but we was there at the party though. Put your and put that song played. Fun Master Fletcher is dropping bombs, and he just kept that made the whole party. Like I don't remember hearing any other music. That's all I heard. Yeah, that was a good time, man. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I remember that night. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Was that the night that were you there that time? It was. It was leaving from the party and the um. Yo, I seen the biggest dick I ever seen in my life. Were you there that night? It was. A, it was a. <laughs> side note. It was a. It was a um a homeless man, and he flashed all of us, and we ended up seeing bitches by it. Though. <laughs> huh. I remember that. <laughs> you don't remember that? I think I do. I, think I, 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 do. I swear you were there. Yeah, and I just I look. Why I have a memory of Busta Rhymes, put your hands where my eyes can see, The Roxy, Vin Diesel, and the biggest dick I ever seen in my life in real life was <laughs> <laughs> that night. Oh. And he greased it up. He had a big thing of Vaseline, remember? And that shit like touched his forehead. It was so bad. <laughs> Oh, gross. I think I still had a picture because I back in the day I had a Polaroid. Yo, that's how. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's <laughs> we was all getting up on on top, like getting up close. To- Oh my god, I'm sorry. Yo, that is my memory of this Busta Rhymes song. Cause I remember that night. <laughs> I'm sorry. Ooh, I reminisce. I'm sorry. <laughs> Yo, that shit touched the man's forehead. It was crazy. Oh, Rose. Rose. Okay, all right. I'm sorry. Ooh, but this is your reminisce. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Flip mode. <laughs> That was a hot ass beat. What? <laughs> Man, he had to come into America in the video. Remember? Oh my gosh. I couldn't tell him nothing. I was yeah. like, flip mode. All right. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> the visuals right now for me is so crazy. We need to move on. <laughs> Who we got? Who we at? <laughs> For black businesses. Okay. <laughs> we need to. <laughs> and all I know is that homeless man out there was supporting all the black businesses with the biggest dick I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm gonna be quiet. Mm-mm. Go ahead. <laughs> this is yours. You want to read it? Oh, okay. Sorry, y'all. All right. This is the segment of the show where we highlight a black business. We believe in growing our economy and strengthening our communities and desire to build awareness of products and services made FUBU for us by us. So today I want to highlight Wild Moon Jewelry, which was started in 2010 by a self-defined magical wild woman kind of like myself, uh, is based in Toronto. And she creates this handmade jewelry with a very like eco-conscious, Afrocentric aesthetic. So everything she uses is 100% recycled um, silver, recycled glass, repurposed brass, and semi-precious stones. So you can find Wild Moon Jewelry by going to Big, uh, I'm sorry, wildmoonjewelry.com. 
So yes, support black businesses, y'all. All right, cool. Okay. All right. And then I'm going to, oh, we didn't come to the end. I am just so glad. Let me just tell y'all, I'm so glad that we are back with the podcast. We are so excited because we will be coming live to a TV near you with our new Island TV show, which is to premiere in November. And we'll give details soon, but we're very excited about that. So y'all, but we've come to the end of this show. So you can subscribe to That's What I'm Saying, the podcast. We're an Apple Podcast app, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and we will soon be on Island TV. Y'all, please follow us on our Instagram. It's TwizPod. That's T-W-I-S-P-O-D. And what else do I need to say? Who are we shouting out? Always, always, always give a super duper shout out to Vegas World Inc. He is our producer. Um, you can find him on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you so much for listening, subscribing, and liking us on social media. Until next week, peace. Take care, y'all.